Good morning, Beacon Church. Welcome to another Sunday on the sofa. So please, you could join us. Uh, if this is your first time, uh, welcome. So glad you could join us, and I pray you have a real blessed time with us. In just a moment, Martin Segal, who leads uh, the team at City Church Canterbury. Many of you will know him. He looks after us as a leadership team on behalf of Relational Mission as well. He's a very, very dear friend of ours, and um, he will be speaking on Hebrews chapter 12 in just a moment. Um, those of you who signed up for the emails, uh, you'll find in your inbox this week details of what's coming up at Christmas, what you can expect with Christmas events and so on and so forth, just so you know all about the dates in the diary. Keep an eye out for those, put those in your calendar and we're going to have a blessed time celebrating Jesus's arrival on this planet at Christmas time. We'll do what we can to celebrate. Uh, before I hand over to Martin, I just want to share a verse from Jeremiah chapter 23 that I came across during this week. Uh, throughout our Hebrew series, there was one point you may remember when um, Bob Benson introduced us to um, Hebrews chapter 4, and halfway through that, towards the end in fact, uh, it describes the word of God as like a living and active, is living and active and is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, that, that God's word is like a, a sword, a two-edged sword that penetrates and pierces. And uh, I come across this verse in Jeremiah 23, uh, verse 29, that also adds to that picture in a whole other way as well. And it says, this is God himself speaking through the prophet Jeremiah. And he says, is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. We need to really appreciate the, uh, the somber weight of what this is the Bible, God's word. This is the living word of the God of the universe, the good God who deemed it good to rescue us, the good God who sustains all things, who made you and me, knitted us together, who is not surprised by world events, who still rules and who still reigns. This is his living and active word. And he describes it here as like fire and a hammer. This, God's word, when he breathes, breathes out his living word, it, 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 it's like fire. It enlightens and it warms, but it also purifies as well. But also it's like a hammer. This breaks down barriers and this crumbles hard hearts. Let's, let's just settle our spirits in a place where we're ready to receive from him yet again. Let's let him speak to us. May his sword, the sword of the spirit, his living words, may it pierce to our very soul. Uh, may as the fire that it is, may it enlighten us, may it warm us, may it challenge and purify us as well. And as a hammer, may it break down any barriers in my heart, in our hearts. And uh, let's see him, we ask, humbly ask that we can see him in a, in a greater degree of glory and intimacy and affection because of that. Let me just pray and then I'll hand over to Martin. Lord, we thank you so much that your word is living and active. It is a sword that pierces to the very soul. It is fire that enlightens, warms and purifies and it's a hammer that breaks down barriers. We come humbly before you and perhaps with, <laughs> maybe rightly so, a certain sense of trembling, which we don't always have. We can be Bit dismissive sometimes, Lord, and I'm sorry for that. But Lord, we ask that we may uh, 
just get to know you in a fresh way this morning. May you speak to us. If your word is living and active, we trust that you will speak to us and we are expectant of that. Will you come and do that? Lord, say to us what you want to say to us this morning. And please, for all our faults, fragility and distractions, may you ensure that we hear it and then help us to act upon it. We love you, Lord. And we stand humbly before you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Over to Martin. Well, hello and good morning, Beacon Church. My name is Martin Segal. Uh, I am the lead elder over at the City Church here in Canterbury and Chartham. And I also have the joy of being a relational mission community leader, which means on behalf of the apostolic team, I get the privilege of getting to support and care and encourage uh, some of the churches within our family of churches. And one of those churches is you. And it is a privilege uh, to be able to meet with Steve uh, and with the elders and to hear of all that God is doing in and through you at the moment. And I want to start just by saying well done. Well done for being men and women of faith in the midst of difficult and disorientating times. Well done for being those that have kept clinging on to the rock that is higher than I, that we are those that can trust in the goodness of our God. And at the moment, as a church, you're uh, in a series uh, looking through the book of Hebrews and this whole idea of how Jesus is all, that there is no one like him, that in him we find all we need to be able to be those that walk into all that the Lord has for us. And today I've got the privilege of continuing uh, this series. And so we're into Hebrews chapter 12. Last week, Steve spoke from the end of Hebrews 10 through Hebrews 11. And today we pick up uh, from Hebrews 12 and we're going to be reading from verse 1 to verse 13. My dear wife, Catherine, uh, is going to read that scripture to us now. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 13. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. I think this is one of the most beautiful verses and, and uh, passages that we find in Scripture. I think it is 
of great hope and encouragement for us. And really, that's my heart today, is I want to bring a word of encouragement to you this morning, church. And what we see is that uh, the writer of Hebrews begins in verse 12 with this word, therefore. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. You know, it's this idea of kind of whenever you find the word therefore in the scriptures, you've always got to understand that it is linked to what we have read just before. And so the writer here really is almost like in response, not just to chapter 11, but in response to all of the incredible things we've read and heard so far in the book of Hebrews. Therefore, since we're surrounded, it's almost like because of these men and women of faith, these heroes that we look at in verse in chapter 11 and because of all that we've seen and we know through the whole of this book. Therefore, since we're surrounded, it says, let us lay aside every weight and sin which it clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, I don't know about you, but I know that so quickly in the Christian faith, I can begin to feel pressured that I've got to live a certain way. That it, uh, I used to work in a primary school before I uh, started working for, for the church. And we used to have a saying in our primary school that was kind of this motivational phrase, which was, if it's to be, it's up to me. And I so often live like that. It's on me. We read through Hebrews 11, as Steve was preaching last week and looking at some of the heroes of the faith. And I can look and I think, right, I've got to be like Moses. I've got to be like Abraham. I've got to be like these heroes and all that they've done. And the beginning of chapter 12 almost sets it up like that. Therefore, because of all that we've seen, let's throw off every sin that entangles us. Let's run the race with endurance. It's down to us. We see elsewhere in scripture, Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy, and he tells him to train himself for godliness. It's like, Timothy, there's a responsibility you have as a Christian, as a leader, to be someone that trains yourself for godliness. Paul writes to the church in Colossae, and he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We see elsewhere throughout the scriptures that we're called to not grow weary in doing good. We can hear these first two verses of chapter 12 and other verses in scripture and we can start to think that, okay, so Jesus has done it all. That's what we've been looking at through the book of Hebrews. Jesus is greater than all. He's made it possible for us, our great high priest, who is this sacrifice once and for all. He's made it possible for us to come before God, but now it is our responsibility and it's on us to stay close to God. That Jesus has kind of brought us into the race, but now it's all on us to run the race. Now, I want to just encourage you this morning that I do not believe that that is the message of Christianity. I don't believe the gospel message is that Christ has done it all to get you in, but it's now on you to stay in. I believe that actually the message of Christianity is that Christ is all and Christ has done it all. When Jesus hung on the cross and with his final breaths, he was able to cry, it is finished. That was a victory cry of our saviour, that he has made it possible for you and I to rest in his love. And that's what we see actually the writer go on to do is say, listen, yes, we're called to endure. Yes, we're called to lay aside every sin. I want to encourage you this morning. If you know there's things in your life that are hindering you from walking in the fullness of life that Christ has won for you, confess those sins to others. Seek to find people that can help you grow. Come to the Lord and find strengthening in him. There is a responsibility we have to carry, but we do that within the sovereignty and the rule and the reign of our saviour. And that's really what the writer is doing here. And so three things I believe that the writer wants to encourage us with this morning. That means that we can be those that run with endurance, not because of our grit and our determination and our, our hard work, 
but because of his grace and his mercy. And the first one is that we need to be those that look to Jesus. We see it here. One of the most beautiful verses of scripture in verse two, it says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. I love that. It's this picture here, this imagery of the writer is wanting to emphasize that Jesus is the one that began our faith. We read in Ephesians that before the foundations of the world, he chose us to be holy and blameless. In love, he predestined us. Scripture tells us that it was all the initiating work of Jesus that has resulted in you and I, if you're a Christian today, being a follower of Christ. It wasn't because of our interest and that we started to read the Bible. It wasn't because of those that we met who were uh, other Christians that began to point us to Jesus. They play important parts, but actually it was because God himself reached out. Jesus says that I've chosen you. We read in the Gospel of John, and actually those that the Father has called to himself and to his son. And so we see here Jesus, the founder of our faith, that the reason that you're a Christian, if you are a Christian today, is not because you have passed God's holy checklist, but it's because God, by his grace, has chosen you and I. I found that breathtaking. I was not looking for the Lord. I was 15 years old. I'd grown up in church, but I thought church was boring. I thought that Jesus was completely irrelevant to my life. And then in a moment, I met him and my life was transformed. Friends, I want to encourage you today. Jesus is the founder of your faith. Look to him, the one who began. And then we see he's the one that will continue. He says he's the perfecter of our faith. You see, the promise of scripture is that in this life we will face many troubles, Jesus says, but take heart. Why? Because he has overcome the world. And that our trajectory, our destination, our final place in our journey is eternity with him and that in that moment we'll read uh, we've already read in Hebrews it says that he is perfecting or he is sorry he is sanctifying those he has perfected this idea of we're on a journey of being changed to be more like Christ throughout our lives but ultimately he has already sealed our eternal destination which is with him he's the perfecter of our faith when we're in heaven where there is no sin and no sickness and no sorrow, when we're with Jesus in the new heavens and the new earth, when he has restored all things, when he has returned and he is ruling, our faith will be perfected in that moment. And we can be confident we'll get there. Why? Not because of our hard work, not because we run the race well, but because of Jesus. He's the founder and perfecter of our faith. It goes on to say, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Look to Jesus today. It's my first encouragement to us. If we are finding it hard to be those that endure, if we are finding the, the impact and the implications of COVID, the fact that we've not been able to meet physically together for so long, uh, if we are finding it difficult, as perhaps for you it's to do with work and finances, it's health, it's anxiety, it's mental health, whatever it may be, or actually it's nothing to do with COVID. It's all the other challenges that life bring our way. And we are struggling to be those that find joy and endure. Look to Jesus, who for the joy set before him, for you, he endured the cross. Do you know that? Do you know that you're the joy? The church is the joy of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. The church is the apple of Christ's eye. And so that means that today you can look to him and know that he loves you and he delights over you doesn't matter what you've done this week, what you've said, what you thought. It doesn't matter whether you're proud of yourself or not. Jesus is proud of you. He delights in you and over you. We see that Jesus died for you and I 
so that we can know this love of God. Listen, if you're joining us today and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, it's so great that you're looking into the claims of Jesus. And this is really at the heart of the claims of Jesus is that God himself has made it possible for us to know him by taking our mess upon himself and giving us his perfection. Not that we're now perfect, <laughs> no way, but before God, we're holy and blameless. We're spotless before God because of Jesus. That's the invitation for you today, that he, he took the cross for us. And I love that. And it says he's now seated at the right hand of God. Jesus is, didn't just die and the story ended there. Jesus died and rose again, defeating sin and death and is now seated at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning. We have a saviour who is not just interested in us, but who is in power over us, over all things. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. Look to Jesus this morning. May your faith be encouraged as you see this picture of Christ. But then it goes on and it says, Cons consider him in verse three, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint hearted in your struggle against sin. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. There's this second thing of actually look to Jesus and find joy, find hope in the midst of challenge. But secondly, consider him and particularly consider the fact that Jesus himself went through challenges and difficulties, that Jesus himself faced temptation. We read that after Jesus' baptism, at the beginning of his ministry, he is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He's fasted for 40 days. He's not eaten. And then it says he's hungry. I love that. What an understatement. If I hadn't eaten for 40 days, it'd be, I'm ravenous. It says Jesus is hungry. And then Satan comes and tempts him. C.S. Lewis uses this picture like this, that actually the fact that Jesus has been tempted should encourage us. Why? Because it's like a man that is walking against the wind. And all of us in our lives, we're walking against the wind, the wind of temptation, the wind of challenge and difficulty. And ultimately, every single one of us has got to a point where we have laid down. This is too much. I can't keep going on this journey. And so we have stopped. C.S. Lewis says Jesus is like the one that has kept going. So in fact, Jesus knows the intensity of temptation like no one else. Why? Because he never stopped. He kept going. He never laid down. He never gave in to sin. He never gave in to those things. And so actually, we have a saviour that sympathises and understands. And so consider him today. You may have faced temptation this week. You may have found it really difficult. You may have been tempted to, to lie, to steal. You may have found it, you may have been tempted to think badly of others. Lustful thoughts. Whatever it may be that the temptation that you have been battling with this week, Jesus understands Consider him who in the face of such severe temptation, even on the cross, as he has been beaten and as he's been nailed to the cross, he's still able to, in the midst of the temptation, to hate and to judge. Jesus speaks grace and love. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus is the one that has faced the greatest challenges and yet has continued to walk perfectly. Consider him today. Find hope in him today. In Jesus, we can find the strength to persevere. We can find the strength to endure. Jesus, our perfect example, our perfect saviour who gets it. He's not frustrated or disappointed with you today. Don't believe that lie for a second. He loves you and he delights over you. He wants you to grow in him. He's got a desire for you to flourish and to be all that he has planned for you. But he's not angry with you. He's not angry that you're struggling with the thing you're struggling with. He sympathises, he cares and he's able to help change and so today look to Jesus 
find joy and hope in him, the founder and perfecter of our faith, but also consider him the one who has been tempted like no one else. And then finally, I feel like the writer wants to encourage us in these uh, last few verses to excuse me, to trust him. You see, he goes on to talk about discipline. It's this idea of, listen, in the midst of challenge and difficulty, sometimes we can lose sight of the father heart of God. We can think that God has abandoned us, that God is judging us. But almost here we see in these verses, there's this encouragement saying, no, actually, just like any earthly father would discipline their children for their good and for their growth. Actually, we should trust that in the midst of difficulty and challenge, God can use it for our good. I'm not saying that God sends all the challenges that come our way. I'm not saying that God has sent the coronavirus our way for us. I do believe that God knew it was coming. I don't think God was surprised by it. But I think there are mysteries to the way that God works. But what I would say is this. I do believe that in the midst of the difficulties, God can and will use them to discipline us, to grow us and to sharpen our faith for him. You know, Joseph, when he was uh, sold in this is in the book of Genesis there's a story of a guy who his brothers are really jealous of him because he's his father's favorite says that they beat him they throw him into a pit they were going to leave him to die and then they change their mind they sell him into slavery he gets taken to Egypt he goes through all of these different things he ends up in prison because he's been wrongly accused he comes out of prison he ends up becoming prime minister there's a famine across the land his brothers end up in Egypt needing food and as they come and after a while they realize that the prime minister is their brother who they sold into slavery. Joseph says to them, listen, what you meant for evil, God has used for good. And I believe that that's almost the invitation that we see here in Hebrews is that what the enemy means for evil, what the enemy means to cut us down and to rob us of our faith and to stop us from walking into all that the Lord has for us. Jesus plans to use for our good. That discipline is a good thing because it's coming from the love of the father. He loves you as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you as you are. And so he's always going to be wanting to grow us and to change us and to move us ever more to be like him. And so my encouragement to each of us today is look to Jesus. Find your hope in Christ for your faith, for your life, for your future. Find it in Jesus. Consider Jesus in the midst of the challenges and the difficulties you're facing. Consider him who has faced challenge like we couldn't even imagine. Jesus, who faced temptation to the intensity that he did. Jesus, who faced hostility to the intensity that he did. Jesus, who faced pain to the excruciating nature that he did on the cross. Look to him, consider him, who sympathises and understands. And then trust him. Trust that he's at work in your life today. That he loves you. And that the challenges you're facing, God is using to lovingly discipline you and to grow you and to help you to become more like him. And then with this, I want to end. The writer then goes on to say this in verse 12. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. Make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. You see, we go back almost here to the beginning. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off all the things that entangle us and let's run the race of endurance. We see then the writer then says, and how do we do that? Well, it's in Jesus by looking to him, considering him and trusting him. And then what is the fruit of that? Well, the fruit is that we can lift our drooping hands. We can strengthen our weak knees. We can make straight paths for our feet. What is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. We can find strength in Jesus today. And so I want to pray for us as I bring my uh, talk to an end, that we would be those that as we look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, we would find a strengthening in him by the spirit today. That would mean that we're able to be those that continue to run the race with endurance. They continue to throw off all the sin that may entangle us. Friends, 
he is for you. And if our God is for us, who can be against us? Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for your love. I thank you, Jesus, that in you we can know hope. Hope, Lord God, in the midst of challenge and difficulty. Hope in the midst of heartbreak and poverty. Hope in the midst of challenging times. We can know that, Jesus, you are for us. That you, the founder of our faith, are also the perfecter of our faith. Lord, we entrust ourselves to you afresh this morning. We're not our saviour, you are. We're not the saviour of our families, you are. We're not the saviour of your church, you are. And so, Lord, today afresh, we just say we look to you, we trust you. Lord, we consider you this morning. We thank you that you have gone through what we could only imagine or not even imagine, Lord, the intensity of what you've gone through. And we thank you that means that you are a God that empathises and that sympathises and that cares. You don't get frustrated with us. I just want to pray against anyone that's believing the lie today that you're frustrated with them. Lord, would they know your love right now by your spirit? And Lord, I want to pray for faith to trust you again. Pray particularly for those who have just been through the ringer of life that's robbed them of, of, of joy and security. Lord, I want to pray that they would be able to trust you afresh today, that your loving discipline is something that we should embrace, we should delight in, we should know. Actually, that means that you love us and that you're growing us, Lord. And I just pray for a strengthening to come across this church, Lord God, by your spirit. Strengthen, I ask in your wonderful name. Amen. God bless you. Uh, a joy to be with you digitally. And I hope uh, very soon I'll get to be with you physically. Take care. What beautiful truths. We are indeed Jesus's joy. If you are his, you are his joy. What a wonderful thing. And to know that he has secured our salvation. So with that in mind, I'm not going to say much more, but whatever we're facing right now, let's ensure we're looking to him with affection and with adoration. And just to quote what Martin shared again, that Jesus loves us as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us as we are. Let's embrace that truth. Let's enjoy it this week. Let's see what he has in store for us. Uh, if you don't know Jesus like, uh, like like we've been sharing here, if this is still brand new to you, please do get in touch. There'll be an email address in a minute. We'd love to speak with you. We'd love to pray with you and for you. However you want to speak to us, uh, please do get in touch. We'd love to we get to know you. We'd love to pray with you. Um, just don't pass up this amazing truth that you can know this same God in the same way that we, we are learning to. Um, please don't miss this opportunity. Give your life to him. It will be the best thing you can ever do. There are uh, songs uh, associated with the um, Vimeo link and uh, uh, to click on to enjoy on YouTube. And those of us that are in the Zoom room are going to sing together as well. Let's keep looking to him and let's enjoy Jesus this week. Make the most of it. Be blessed. Have a great week. <laughs>